This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When I wake up, well, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk... All right, here we go. College football is back, which means so is the Sooner Nation podcast. We did take a little bit longer of a uh, summer break than what we typically do. Uh, time crunches and presses and so forth uh, have us um, have us bent. But here we go. Oklahoma, Arkansas State Sooners kicking off uh, the 2023 college football season as a 35 and a half point favorite over the Red Wolves of Arkansas State. Over under on this game is 58. Um, I, I think I would. Lean towards the over there, um, 11 a.m. kickoff ESPN. Let's talk about four things that we want to watch for in this game. You know, the first thing we're going to look at is uh, I think who emerges as the top option in the passing game. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm not for sure that we know the answer to this question uh, by the end of this game with Arkansas State because I, I expect, and you expect, I think everyone expects a ton of players to come in and out of this game. You're going to have a lot of guys who are like Gavin Freeman, who are tweeners. Are, are you a starter? Or are you a role play? He's right in between that. He's a role player who's at starter caliber, just put on scholarship, all the way down to, to, to fresh guys who are brand new to campus and just getting uh, broken in, um, you know, um, a guy like Jacquez uh, Petaway or Nick Anderson, who's been on campus for a year, but hasn't had a chance. I mean, there's going to be so many guys, I think, that come in and out of this passing attack. And it's not just going to be Dylan Gabriel. You're going to see Jackson Arnold. You might see a Davis Bevel uh, on on Saturday. You might even see get all the way down to General Booty um, to number four on the depth chart. You never know. And so because of that, it's going to be really hard to tell who's going to be that number one option for Oklahoma coming uh, into this 2023 season because you lose Marvin Mims. That guy's going to be catching passes for the Denver Broncos here in about a week and a half. Um, and so you've got you've got some options here. You, you look at a guy like Austin Stogner, 6'6", 258 pounds. He's back after, I guess, the exile to South Carolina, comes back to Norman to finish up his uh, his career at Oklahoma. He, this is a guy, with all due respect to Braden Willis and what Oklahoma had in that backfield last season, Austin Stogner's that guy that has the NFL body at the tight end position. They return to the true tight end uh, guy who can catch those jump balls, those 50-50 balls, guys who, who can be a mismatch because he's too fast for linebackers, too big for defensive backs, a guy that can can bust it down the seam. He's one option. It's been a long time, a long time since Oklahoma had the like that that go-to guy at the tight end position. I think you got to go all the way back. Really, I think you got to go back 15 years ago to Jermaine Gresham in 2008. And I don't know that Austin Stogner becomes 
uh, Jermaine Gresham-esque in this offense in this final season. But I do think that they got an upgrade. And and again, no disrespect to Braden Willis. I love the guy, but I think they got an upgrade at the tight end position. And when you look at the guys that are on the roster, uh, you got Stogner, 6'6", Blake Smith, 6'4", and then, then, you know, down Cade McIntyre, 6'3". These guys are 6-plus, but Stogner's the biggest out of all of them. So I, I think that becomes something you look for. Maybe him becoming that guy in the red zone. But the guy who stretches the field, that's who we're really trying to figure out because that's what Marvin Mims did. I, I think the first guy you got to look at in this situation has to be Jaleel Farouk. And again, good size, 6'1", 208 pounds last year in his first season as a full-time contributor uh, living in Marvin Mims' shadow, though. 37 catches, 466 yards. Not bad for a guy who, again, lived in the shadows, but now he steps into that limelight, and if they play him over the top, uh, can he bust it? I, I think Jalil Farouk maybe has deceptive speed, but not blazing speed. I, I think he's a guy that is quicker and faster than what he looks like even on film. But I, I, I look at him as a possession guy, not necessarily in, in the mold of a Drake Stoops, but a possession guy who can who can get you 10 to 15 yard range um, and just kind of make that catch and go down uh, with the hit because he's got that 200 pound body uh, wrapped around that frame of his. I, I think the guy who really is the most intriguing here for me um, is Andrew Anthony, the Michigan transfer, 6'1", 190 pounds. Uh, not used a lot uh, out in Ann Arbor. Now, he was he he was the, um, I guess he was the co-offensive rookie of the year at Michigan in 2021. But in two seasons, Ann Arbor, he caught 19 passes, 238 yards, four touchdowns. But his average, this is what, this is what you got to look at. He, um, his average at Michigan, 16 yards, 16 yards per, per catch, which you're looking at Jaleel Farouk, 12.6 yards per catch, uh, 16 yards obviously uh, is, is better without doing a, a lot of math. The, the big X factor here is that Brennan Thompson is not available. And, and no one really knows what's happening there. It could be a medical issue. It could be a mental issue. It could be, you know, an academic issue. There's so many things that are out there that, that you know, the good news is Brendan Thompson's still on this roster. The bad news is he's not on the depth chart, not expected to play on Saturday. And what this kid brings is that mismatched speed because – you got to play over the top of somebody. Last year, defenses will play over the top of Marvin Mims. You don't want Marvin Mims to beat you deep. If Andrell Anthony brings that Michigan uh, speed that he flashed out in Ann Arbor, if he brings that to Norman, there's one option right there that you play over the top of. But then what does that do for Jaleel Farouk? You got two safeties. Uh, you can cheat in there with a nickel. You can do whatever. Then you have a guy like Brennan Thompson uh, that kid just has the speed, has that blaze that can get lost and beat one-on-one coverage. I think Gavin Freeman probably fits into that role. Um, I know he's behind Drake Stoops in that slot position, but Gavin Speed, the sophomore, uh, small guy, 5'8", uh, 185 pounds, but he has speed. Drake Stoops loved the kid. You can't, you can't not love Drake Stoops. Very similar in size to Gavin Freeman, but I think what separates these two uh, young men is the speed. Uh, but that's where I think ultimately you want to see Brennan Thompson thrive in that spot. Now, here's the thing. I, I said it earlier. I don't know 
I don't know who we're going to see at receiver because I think you go six to eight to ten guys, honestly, out there. Not that they're all going to catch passes, but you got to do something with L.V. Bunkley-Shelton. You got to do something with Jaden Gibson. Uh, you know, you got uh, the Aaron Parks kid that's coming in. Um, uh, Aaron Parks, that's a that's a right tackle. I, sorry. Uh, Nick Anderson, I don't know where Aaron Parks came from. Nick Anderson, that you know, redshirt freshman. Um, a guy who's supposed to be one of the playmakers. Um, DJ Graham has moved from the defense to the offense. So you've got so many options at receiver that they're all going to play on Saturday. If they don't, this game has gone south and has gone uh, into the territory where Oklahoma fans don't like it to be in. Um, so um, I, I think you got to look who's going to be, who's going to emerge as the top pass catcher, I don't know we'll have that answered after this Arkansas State game, but I do think we'll have an idea of what this rotation is going to look like through you know, probably the first three or four offensive possessions. You're going to see those go-to guys, those guys that are carrying the water, so to speak, right now. And then you start that conversation again next week in preparation for SMU who's probably going to have the ability to play a little bit better on the defensive side of the ball uh, than, than what Arkansas State's going to bring into this game. I think the second thing we want to watch for is uh, what's happening with this running back. You know, you look at the depth chart, and every, including myself, everyone talked about Javante Barnes, Gavin Salchuk. Javante Barnes, Gavin Salchuk. Who's going to start? Who's going to come in second? So forth and so forth. But then when, when the depth chart comes out, it's Marcus Major or... Tay Walker taking the, taking over there uh, at the running back spot. And you got to, I mean, there's no way. There's no way at this point. I know it's it's August 31st. It's early. Season hasn't started. But there is zero chance that you're going to convince me that Marcus Major and Tay Walker are going to lead the team in carries throughout the 2023 season. Some of it Brent Venables mentioned was was injury and participation. And maybe this is a, a way to reward Marcus Major for hanging with this program through all kinds of issues, academic issues, health issues, um, star power issues ahead of him. Marcus Major, the redshirt senior, has been here and has just kept his head down and has grounded out. So maybe that's a way you reward him. Tabby Walker, again, they talked about the work ethic. So this could be something where we're just sending a message to Javante Barnes and Gavin Salchuk. Unless injury prevents them, absolutely prevents them from playing, all four of these guys are going to hit the field on Saturday. What's that workload going to look like? How many offensive possessions into this game do we see either Gavin Salchuk or Javante Barnes come in because I think everyone has agreed that's where the future is with this offense. Um, I said it, and again, not I'm not alone in saying that, that I expected these two guys to be number one and number two on the depth chart, but they're not. So what does that, again, what does that mean for Marcus Major? Um, you know, they, don't forget 110 yards on just nine carries in that, that bowl game against Florida back in the 2020 season. So it's not like Marcus Major can't run the football. I expect the guy to to produce on Saturday. Um, but you just look at the 27 carries that Javante Barnes had um, in the in the bowl game against Florida State. Gavin Solchek, 15 carries. Both of them eclipsed the 100-yard mark. Both of them scored touchdowns. And, the, and you saw, I think, what is going to be the morph of this Jeff Levy offense I believe in 2023, it's going to lean more heavily on this running game uh, than just letting Dylan Gabriel 
sit back and sling it. That's what I believe. That's that's what I think is going to happen. And maybe you got to go four running backs deep to make that happen. But your stars have to emerge. And the guy, in my opinion, that has the highest ceiling, that has the most star power on this roster is Gavin Salchuk. Because of his speed, he's got that home run speed. He's got that breakaway ability. But also what he can do, I think he's the most poised to catch the ball out of the backfield and where you got a guy like Javante Barnes, who's just a grinder. I mean, he's going to, he's going to put his head down and he's going to, he's going to hit the gap and he's maybe going to, you know, pound his way to four yards at a time. Uh, once the defense wears down that four yards turns into six to eight to 10 yards, and then he breaks one away. But Gavin Solchuk is one missed tackle away from a touchdown. And that's, that's the star power that he brings. Uh, with all due respect to Tawee Walker, with all due respect to Marcus Major, I hope those guys are able to hold uh, this spot because that means that they're playing at a higher, a better level than Salchuk and Javante Barnes. But the reality is, I think when you have a guy with a playmaking ability like Gavin Salchuk, if his head is right, if his body is right, if his grasp of the offense and the game and the assignments is right, that's not a guy you can keep off the field. That's not a guy you bring in uh, in garbage time. That's not a guy that you just kind of just run spells with uh, to your other backs. That's a guy that you game plan and you scheme around him. And I'm I'm really curious. I really want to know how many offensive possessions does it take to see Javante Barnes or Gavin Salchuk jump into this game and, and make a play for the offense. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So you've got a running back situation that you absolutely have to keep keep an eye on. And, and then you look at how much does the transfer portal affect what's going to happen on Oklahoma's defense. This was – when you look at what happened in 2022, it was on the defense. I mean, the offense had its moments of frustration, but a lot of that hinged around – Dylan Gabriel's injury and just not having depth at the quarterback position. That's better because you've got Jackson Arnold, who's already worked his way up to number two uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, excuse me. I'll, I'll start all that over. You've got Jackson Arnold, who's already worked his way up to number two and the quarterback depth chart. But when you go back to the defensive side of the ball, it, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was awful. It, it it was a disaster. What happened to this team defensively? And I saw a stat the other day that just absolutely blew my mind. This was in actually the game notes that Oklahoma put out for this game. Listen to this. Altogether, Oklahoma has added sixty five a six and a five sixty five new players to this roster for the 2023 football season. What that means is that 52% of Oklahoma's 2023 roster is going to be guys who are first year, first year players um, in Norman. 21 guys came in um, through the, uh, through four year schools, uh, you know, guys like Bothroyd from Wake Forest, Trace Ford from Oklahoma State. You got all these guys uh, that are jumping in on the defensive side of the ball uh, out of the transfer portal. 
I mean, obviously, there's guys on the on the offensive side of the ball that are transferred in. We we just talked about Brendan Thompson. We talked about Andrew Anthony, but but when when you look at what they've added defensively and where they've added defensively, there are 16 guys that were on scholarship at this at this university that were on scholarship somewhere else in 2022. Nine of those guys, nine of the 16 are on the defensive side of the ball. And then when you look at those nine guys on the defensive side of the ball, six of them play on the defensive line. And that's why I just mentioned Bothroyd. I just mentioned Trace Ford, Jacob Lacey, the the PA guy from uh, Utah State, Sears from Texas State, uh, uh, Dejon Terry from Tennessee. Those are all guys that are coming in to make an immediate impact. And and when you want to you want to know where, where was the problem for this defense? We all know the defense was the weak link in 2022. And what was the weak link of the weak link? It had to be along that line because that's where they really put out all the stops to fill those gaps, to fill the void, to fill those holes, uh, to make that happen, to make it better than what they were. And and you've got that. Bothroyd's going to be a starting defensive end. Then you got Jonah Lalua, who also was a transfer last year coming in. Isaiah Coe in the middle, Ethan Downs, or Trace Ford. So you got you got some of those guys right right, right immediately uh, having impact on the number one unit uh, with this defense. And then you, I mean, obviously there's guys like Desan McCauley, guys um, like Reggie Pearson, who's fighting off Keyshawn Lawrence for the free safety position. But that defensive line was the crux of the problem in 2022. And you got to look, how how dominant can they be? How dominant will they be? Because this is an Arkansas State team that thrived in giving up quarterback sacks uh, last year. They're an Arkansas State team that struggled to run the football in 2022. And so why you've got guys that are new to this defensive line and pretty much like what we talked about with the receiver rotation, I expect to see a bunch of guys jump in here on the defensive line rotation as well. I, I mean, when you look at your or positions, you've got on the defensive line, you've got or at defensive tackle, you've got or at nose tackle, you've got or at the defensive end position with Ethan Downs or Trace Ford. So three of your four defensive line positions are listed as or. So that means you're probably in in like quote crunch time because I don't know that there's going to be a serious crunch time with this game, but uh, your first three, four defensive possessions, you're probably going to see seven to eight guys rotate in on that defensive line. The question is how much better will they make this defense in 2023? Because when your defensive line can't get penetration, which is crazy because last year they were able to get penetration and they were able to make plays in the backfield. But a lot of that came from what was happening at the linebacker position. You need that to come from the defensive line and allow your linebackers to do something else, you know, to be that second level that to really hit the gap sound and so forth. Um, but if they shut down Arkansas State's running game, which should happen, last year's defensive line should have done that. If they apply a lot of pressure, get quarterback hurries, get quarterback sacks, which should happen, we're not really going to know how much better they are from 22 to 23 because it's Arkansas State. But what we are going to know are what are these guys looking like in the rotation. 
What is what is the difference? How how much power does Trace Ford have than Ethan Downs? How much more speed does Ethan Downs have than Trace Ford? So forth and so I mean back and forth and back and forth on that. You're gonna know those things, and then you set it up for SMU. This is like the trial run for SMU, which is gonna be a little bit more stout of an opponent, and everything's building up to get you ready for conference play. But as you go into this game, you got to look at the, the transfers on the defense. How many of those guys are going to play? Is it going to be Key Lawrence at free safety? Is it going to be Reggie Pearson? Is it going to be Ethan Downs? Is it going to be uh, Is it going to be Trace Ford? That I mean, that's that's really going to tell the tale of how much of an impact the transfer is going to have on this defense. Which I mean, leads me honestly to the to the last thing I'm looking at. The number is is how much. Can they live in the Arkansas Arkansas State backfield? Arkansas State offensive line gave up 38 quarterback sacks in 2022. Three of the five are back. This is a team that only managed 88 rushing yards per game. You've got a, a, a quarterback in uh, JT Stroud who started at Tennessee, went to Colorado, has been turnover prone his entire career. You, this is a guy that you can rattle him. He's proven that through through his career. He can be rattled. Can you put pressure on him? Can you make him uncomfortable? Can you force him to throw a second early or a second later because he's running and make those those bad throws into turnovers? Can you tackle in the backfield? Can you get in position and bring the guy down? You got three of the five starters back on the offensive line. That was already terrible. Now, you got one guy, Jalen Cunningham, who came in from Ole Miss. That's supposed to be pretty solid. But your other guy is Jacob Bayer that, that transferred in from Lamar. So, I mean, I, I don't see how this defensive line, and they, do they even need a blitz on Saturday to get into the backfield? Those are the things you got to look at and really question how much can they create havoc? I mean, what are you looking at first down counts? You're looking at down and distance. You want them to be behind the chains. All those things lead to turnovers. And, and it, it, you know, it goes back to saying when, when your defense plays well up front, then they play a lot better on the back end. If you've listened to what we've said on this podcast for years, if you've read what we've written on the website for years, that's, that is a one of the staple truths of football, of the game of football, regardless of the level. If your defense looks good up front, they look way better, way better on the back end. If your defense isn't very good up front, then they're not very good on the back end. And it comes down to two things, really. It comes to how comfortable is that quarterback in the pocket, and then how much does that secondary have to second guess on play action? Because if you got a running back that's bursting through the defensive line for four to five yards at a time, those safeties tend to cheat a lot more than if that running back's getting stuffed at the line or even dropped a yard or two yards behind the line of scrimmage. It makes everything on that back end just so much easier for them to be able to trust what's happening on the front. And again, this is a team that Oklahoma should just line up and crush both sides of the ball up front. Oklahoma should have their way both sides of the ball up front. And, and if they don't do that, do you, I mean, you remember, gosh, years ago, I think it was Idaho State. 
I, I, gosh, I, I can't remember. It, it was a while back, but I think I'm, I'm confident it was Idaho State was the season opener. And Oklahoma got shut down on the goal line. They got inside the five. They got to the goal line and even went for it on fourth down and could not get penetration past Idaho State. Their defensive line. Now we're talking, we're comparing offense to defense here, and it's just kind of a, a different. I, I get apples to oranges, but the point I'm making is, if we see any of that on either side of the ball, then really, it's kind of going to be questionable how well this team's going to improve because you just can't get beat up front by a team like Arkansas State. And by the way, let me just throw this out. This is a free thing. I mean, it's something that that was pointed out to me that the the second the depth chart released, this was the very first thing that was said to me. When you look at Oklahoma's offensive line, left tackle, Walter Rouse, left guard, Savion Bird, center, Andrew Rehm, right guard, McCade McTwire, right tackle, Tyler Guyton. When you look at those five positions, there are no ors listed. That is not an or position. And in years past, you've had, for example, Savion Bird or Nate Anderson, Andrew Rame or Troy Everett. But no, it's 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 cut and dry. It's black and white. They're, these are the five best offensive linemen. And I and I love that from a standpoint of there's no second guessing. Go do what you're supposed to do. Like you've got the or position on starting for the um uh for for the um Offense, the only or position that affects the starting position is Marcus Major or Tawi Walker. So Jeff Lebby's got his stuff together, and and so does Bill Biedenboe as far as his offensive line goes. Now, I, I think when you flip over to the defensive side of the ball, we just talked about three of the five, excuse me, three of the four defensive positions, starting positions are or positions. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to competitive depth. And it's the same thing at the free safety position with Reggie Pearson or Key Lawrence. It's competitive depth. Either one of those, in that situation, either one of those guys could be a starter. But man, I, I love the fact that they're set up front on this offensive line for Oklahoma. But regardless of whether they were set up front or not, they, they have to dominate. They have to go out and they have to dominate both sides of the ball to make this thing work and to give Oklahoma fans hope going into the next week with SMU and the rest of the season. You want to see clean football. You want to see turnover-free football. You want to see penalty-free football, particularly along the offensive line. You get those penalties on the defensive line just because you're over-aggressive. You get those penalties on the offensive line a lot of times because you're getting beat. A lot of times you get the false starts because the guy across from you is beating you. A lot of times when you get the holding calls because the guy in front of you is beating you. You don't want to see that stuff. You want to see good communication. You want to see clean football. And you want to see dominance. And really, that's the only thing that's acceptable coming out of this. If it's not a complete domination, then I I, I think Oklahoma goes a little bit uneasy for the next six days. But the program and the fans, a little bit uneasy for the next six days as you get ready for round two, uh, which should be SMU coming to town. So that's it for now. Well, I'll get more out, more time, and more opportunity to jump back with some post game thoughts. But leading into the uh, leading into the game, uh, that's what I'm looking at. Those four things. I'd love to hear you use the comments section. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at Sports Heartland. Uh, find us on the website Heartland-Sports.com uh, and let us know what what are the four things you're looking at 
uh, for Oklahoma uh, this Saturday when they get the season started uh, against Arkansas State. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the football. Um, enjoy, enjoy the fall, man. It's back. Boomer Sooner, everybody. Football.